0: This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet,
1: guys.
2: Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke you are And Brooke you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. And fire.
0: Yeah, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. SeattleSports.com, Seattle Sports app as well. Brock out today as he is... Uh, Making his way home from Birmingham, Alabama, he had a late USFL game yesterday. These th- I'm, I know that's surprising more that you didn't have that in around the weekend. Lead. I know it was kind of I think kind of rude, honestly, to Brock given that he was you know doing the broadcast. But that's fine. I mean, if you want to oh. just
2: take shots at our our partner here, that's fine. I get it. Sorta. I do want to take <laughs> kind, shots. <bro. laughs> <Kind> of, <laughs> he should be here <laughs> after Friday's debacle. Yeah. Of how quickly he ran us off the rails.
0: Yes. Oh yeah, well, some of the things Brock said were really inappropriate on Friday. I forgot about that. That God. was uh, that was not great. I in right. texts about it. Like was At Brock okay? Was
1: gross. No, he he
0: was not okay. He was saying things like every once in a while, Brock hears these terms that are like overtly sexual, but he doesn't know it because it's not like part of his life, and so he'll say them, and you're like, no, no, whoa, okay. no. Do not say that again, and then he has no idea, and he gets embarrassed and stuff. So, yeah, some of that happened on Friday. All right, the Mariners, I'm not going to avoid this anymore. Let, let's do it. Um, I'm kind of understanding how what it's like to be patient while an offensive team goes through its struggles. I think I, at this point in my life at age 45, I have a level of patience that, you know, certainly in the first month or so of this year— it was annoying, it was frustrating, I didn't love it, but I, I got some level of patience for an offensive team going through its struggles and trying to find itself. I understand, I think, at least I'm trying to, that baseball isn't linear. It doesn't always move in the straight line, right? And so it will have its setbacks. There are times where you will take one step back and then two steps forward. Sometimes good players, sometimes good teams aren't good. It happens. It happens. Probably more in baseball than in any other sport just because of the ups and downs. And we've talked about how, you know, a guy who's a 300 hitter, a Hall of Fame kind of hitter, can have a season at 350 and a season at 250. And if you get the 250 season, well, eh, sorry, <laughs> that's what you got that year, even though you've got a really good player on your team. So I think like there's a part of me that can understand that stuff rationally, even if I get upset emotionally in the moment watching the game afterwards, et cetera. But. The sloppy play that we've seen recently is so much more concerning to me. And quite frankly, what I thought we saw over the weekend from just a defense and base running perspective was bordering on unacceptable. Defense, I'm not going to kill J.P. Crawford. Guy made an error. What are you going to do? I don't get the sense ever that J.P. isn't focused in the field. I mean, that guy, that's, that's his calling card. And he's he he for the last few years Scott's been trying to get him a day off, but can't because he just needs that steady defensive presence in there every single night. So I'm not going to kill JP Crawford for making an error, but the team made an error and it ended up costing them a game. And it does seem like every time JP has an issue in the field, it doesn't happen often,
2: but it almost always leads Results to a loss. Yeah, sure. it's just amazing how it goes down. And he's a gold glover, so like you do expect more.
0: There are nine players that have been picked off this season for the Mariners. That's second most in baseball behind the A's. They've been picked off nine times. Like Ferris freaking Bueller. That's gross. They have been picked off nine times. Twice over the weekend. Wait, Mike, what do you mean twice? Wasn't it three times? Well, you would think. But A.J. Pollock on Saturday night wasn't considered a caught stealing because he took off for third, and they ended up gunning him down to third. So, it's I'm sorry, it's a caught stealing instead of a A pickoff. Gotcha. By the way, the Mariners have the worst steal percentage in the game, and they've been caught stealing more than any club in baseball. Thanks to Luke Arkins for throwing out some of those numbers over the weekend. I got to be honest. I can deal with bad hitting. I can deal with hitting the ball hard and having it go right to somebody. It happens. Baseball is frustrating like that. I can deal with the fact that the you know Rangers have the greatest BABIP of all time and have been otherworldly with men in scoring position because over time those things will eventually kind of even out. And while your team has not done well, I think they've got good hitters on their team who will hit better. But the sloppy play? Mentally sloppy? You can't have it. You flat out can't have it. When I heard Scott mention the word focus again this weekend, not the first time we've heard members of this organization, front office, managerial staff, et cetera, use that word. Shannon's going to be in here in an hour. I'm sure as heck going to ask her about it. What do you mean focus? It's your job. What do you mean focus? You don't focus while you're at work? Get paid? Come on, guys. I don't want to hear about an inconsistency of focus not ever. And in this offseason, we had a, you know, this conversation about veteran leadership, right? We've sp- certainly it has come back to bite this team that they have not had the veteran leadership that they need. Carlos Santana moved on. We talked about that Justin Upton value last year, Mitch Haniger, whatever he brought to the table. Something seems to be missing this season. Maybe Didi Gregorius will end up providing it. Maybe it won't be too late by the time he does. A.J. Pollock was a guy brought in this offseason. They gave him $8 million. Gave him legit money. For all the Mariners don't spend crowd, you know I don't really agree with you in general. They spent on A.J. Pollock. They spent $8 million on him. And forgetting about the fact that he has been absolutely horrific at the plate. All-time awful against lefties, specifically the thing he was brought in here to do. But he miraculously gets on base on Saturday night, moves to second. Now you got men on first and second, two outs, and Julio up with a chance to essentially end that game. And he gets caught running a third? Where in God's name are you going? You've got Julio up with two outs. So first of all, getting to third is essentially meaningless. Park your fat behind on second base and don't go anywhere. What do you need to go to third for? you got Julio up for God's sakes. You're trying to ice this game. And you get caught with two outs running to third by the pitcher? That's unacceptable, man. I don't expect Scott Service to be the guy to to go out and discipline people publicly and embarrass them. That's not who he is. It's not who he's ever been. And I absolutely agree with Brock that that for him to all of a sudden change and start doing things the way, you know, a, a different manager would, would be a disaster. That would spell the end for Scott Service. But good on him for having the kind of patience To not do what I would have done in that situation, which is I would have benched him immediately. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, I'd have been upstairs in Jerry and Justin's office later that night Mm -hmm. saying, DFA this dude. I don't want him around. Maybe that would have been a mistake and maybe I'm too emotional to be a major league manager. That wouldn't be like the biggest surprise in the world if I wouldn't be like the world's best major league manager because of some of the emotional reactions that I have that Scott can't afford to have. But I saw that. I was disgusted. Good on them for winning the game. But I wanted to throw something through the TV. I can deal with what guy's not hitting. Honestly, it's annoying. It's frustrating. And over time, it takes a toll. But all right, fine. Getting picked off like that at the end of a game, like it's just stupid. That's stupid baseball. Mm-hmm. And you combine it with the other. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost disrespectful baseball. Right when you hear respect the game, respect the game, respect the game means not getting thrown out at third base, walking around off second with two outs and Julio up in a late game situation. Haven't
2: done anything by the way, doing the
0: other thing. And more, you mentioned this as well, is just this give up factor this team seems to have. And I don't know how to quantify it, I can't tell you. And I don't, it's not a, it's not a, I'm not in there, I can't see it happen. But gosh, when you're watching it. They let things go from bad to worse. They don't tack on runs when they're ahead. They let other teams tack on runs when they're behind. They don't mount much in the way of comebacks. They just feel defeated. And I don't ever remember a Mariner team in Jerry and Scott's time here that felt defeated, that had this give-up factor, or that played sloppy baseball. The last time I remember a team playing sloppy baseball here in Seattle was when Robbie and the rest of the guys wanted to get rid of Lloyd McClendon. And they made like four base running errors, one at each base in one game. It was horrific. I don't remember any bad base running. for the, you know. For the, I'm not saying that guys don't make mistakes. Of course they do over the course of a season. But I don't remember consistent sloppy base running in the entirety, seriously, of the Jerry and Scott era. None. I don't remember it at all. I don't remember this give-up factor, even when the team wasn't rolling out a major league product because they were essentially rebuilding. I don't remember this. I don't remember this give-up thing. I don't remember this, oh, uh, the other team's up 5-2. Well, we'll probably just let them get up, eight two and then say goodnight. I, I mean, that's essentially what Chris Flexen has been this year, the human let-them-tack-on machine. I, I don't know what it is about this ball club right now and i say all of those things and i'm as frustrated as i am right now and i know you guys are too i'm not like you're just sitting there yelling at the radio right now going oh welcome to the party pal where you been mike i know i took a little longer on this one cuz i was a little more patient and maybe i shouldn't have been maybe that was dumb here's the as craziest you're known to be. thing as i'm known to be thank you more <laughs> here's the craziest stupidest thing about all of this there are only 5 games back in the wild card As dumb as they've played, as poorly as they've done, as many mistakes as we could talk about, the give-up factor and all of that, they're still not out of it. They're right in it. They're five games back in the wild card. Play some good baseball. Stop doing stupid things on the bases. Play clean. Come up with a couple base hits, and they could get right back into this thing. They're not that far out. But if they continue to make some of the mistakes they've made, that's going to be a short conversation as well because I have not seen anything like this from the Mariners, certainly in the last five or six years.
3: Need to know.
2: 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first.
0: Well, another weekend and another series lost against an opponent that's over 500, and it does burn a little more when it's the Angels, who are very... Well, I don't like them. To be fair, uh, the Mariners did hit a little bit better, but overall, just not great baseball. Again,
2: uh, disappointing trip. Did not play well. Um, and it is frustrating. Because um, I right when you think we start to do some things offensively, I thought in this series we did some positive things offensively. Um, we got hits, we got guys on base. Um, but... You know, get big hits and keep rallies going has been an issue.
0: Yeah, obviously that's been a problem. And then add to that some of the sloppy play. I'm
2: frustrated by it. I think we all are. Uh, I think at times it's lack of focus. These are things that we have talked about. And, and, you know, it's really important not to give outs up on the bases. We have addressed it uh, multiple times. And and lack of focus, we make mistakes at critical times. And um, you're not going to win. You're not going to win in this league doing that. Uh, I don't care how many hits you get or how many scoreless innings. You've got to play clean. you got to make the plays defensively, run the bases really smart, heads up, uh, and be strategic about when you're taking chances. So we haven't done that.
0: No, they certainly have not. They also gave up too many home runs. Castillo gave up a few on Friday. Logan Gilbert didn't have his good stuff yesterday. Add that to the mistakes and some of the challenges they've had. Hitting the ball, three pickoffs, a killer error on Friday, and you have a recipe for a... Uh, yeah, one and two series against Anaheim. I'm not even convinced Anaheim has a better roster. In fact, I'm quite frankly unconvinced, but they're playing quality baseball. The Mariners are not. They will get back to it tonight. Marlins in town for three. Bryce Miller gets the ball this evening. Here's the second thing you need to know. It was also on weekend to watch Shohei Ohtani just marvel at what he can do, both throwing the ball and hitting it. His pitch to Ohtani. Swung on and destroyed to right field. This one's not coming back on. Otani has done it again. 18th home run of the season. A no-doubter to right field. The Angels take two back. The Mariners still lead 3-2. to two. Yeah, nice call there from Gary Hill, as Shohei was tremendous. Did it with the bat on Friday, even though he didn't pitch all that well. It was good enough, and given what happened with the Mariners defensively that night, how could you not want him? How could you not want to do everything in your power to go get him this offseason? They tried it the last time, and my guess is they will try it again because he's that kind of a difference maker. Everybody would obviously want him for not only what he does for their roster but what he does on a marketing and sales basis for every team in baseball there was this thought that he was going to leave are we sure that's going to happen now I mean the one thing you can say is that the the Angels are playing better baseball is it going to be enough for Shohei to decide he wants to stay Mike Trout's getting older but he's not done yet I don't know I would certainly uh, welcome the idea of him showing up in Seattle next year, as would quite literally everybody else.
3: Here's the third thing you need to know.
0: After what was a crazy, ugly week of business mergers and hypocrisy and double-crossing, the PGA did end the week on a high note. Canadian UW grad Nick Taylor... Sinking a 72-foot putt for Eagle in the fourth playoff hole. He beats Tommy Fleetwood in an incredible moment. Are you serious?
3: Oh, my goodness! Glorious and free! Canada
0: has a conquering hero. I like the Canadian anthem reference from Jim Nance yesterday Took me a minute to get. and I don't know about you did you scream when that happened I had an involuntary oh like just complete shock seeing that putt go in on the fourth playoff hole. incredibly fun a uh, good weekend for Sue Bird the city showed up to honor her her jersey was hung in the rafters where it belongs one of the greatest to ever do it
3: I remember where I was when the draft lottery happened we were at UConn about to do a workout, and somebody came and, like, hey, guess what? Soundstorm Storm got the number one pick. And I was like, damn. Where is that? That's so far. Oh my
1: God. That's what the insides were doing. On the outside, I was like, cool, you know me. Go with the flow. <laughs>
0: wonder why it's so hard to get athletes to come to Seattle, right? When that's the immediate reaction you hear from the person who's about to be the number one pick in the draft. Seattle, where? No thanks. One of those challenges. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Sue Bird. She played 21 years here after that. Won four titles to go with their five Olympic gold medals. The record for assists and wins and games played, all-star appearances. Just a remarkable career. That is everything you need to know when we do that. Quarter past every hour. By the way, both NHL and NBA at 3-1, as I'm sure you know. Both of the Miami teams are on the short side of that. So we'll see if either of them can get back in it. NBA game five tonight, and Vegas looks to close out the NHL tomorrow
2: night. So the cup will be in the building. Always kind of fun. Mm. I can't stop thinking about how much of this lack of focus is on service. And wonder if Shannon's got some... Feelings about what she's seen for the lack of focus. Yeah, I don't know what's going on
0: with that. That is a good question. So Shannon will be in at eight o'clock. We're going to spend some time with her, uh, a little extended conversation with Shannon over an hour or so, and uh, kind of get her thoughts of how that happens. It's not been an issue for this team, honestly. Really, I know it. that's has the not easiest part. It has been like the one thing you could count on is that this team plays pretty clean baseball defensively on the base paths. So they don't make a lot of dumb mistakes. That's been awesome. They don't always execute what you need them to. They they don't always drive in a runner from third, or you know, do some of those things that you want your team to do. But that's execution. They're not always great at executing. They've never had a problem focusing. That's a concern to me, and I I, I don't understand where it's coming from, why it's happening, or what you do to fix it. But, yes, we'll talk to Shannon about that coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll shift gears before then, spend some time talking some football. The Seahawks are uh, just about done with their off-season program, and it leads to some rapid fire next. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports, on 710seattlesports.com.
3: This this is Brock and Salk. Powered
0: through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle
1: Sports app.
0: Yeah, Shannon Dreyer will be in the building at 8 o'clock. We will get back to some baseball conversation then. Jeff Passon tomorrow. But right now, Seahawks coming off of their mini camp mandatory mini camp. They do have a little work this week. They got some voluntary OTAs, passing camp kind of stuff, but for the most part they're starting to shut things down before training camp starts in, what a month and a half or so, maybe a little longer than that. And and uh, we get a chance to start seeing this team do what they're going to do this year. Uh Mora has some great rapid fire questions for us, and so let's uh see if we could take stock of where we're at right now. All
1: right. Who leads the team in sacks in 2023? I believe it was Chenna last year.
0: I don't know. <laughs> Is that a good <laughs> answer? No. Am I just supposed to come up with an answer and have it, whether it's true or not? Here's the okay. thing. I have no freaking idea who leads this team in sacks this year. So my option, let's go through the options. Chenna, Taylor.
1: Okay, wait. wait. Chenna and Daryl Dale- Taylor were tied with nine and a half. Okay.
0: okay. Chenna, Taylor, Mafe, Hall, Jones, Draymond Jones. Yeah. And that's probably it. Jaron Reed, you know, occasionally gets to the passer, etc. cetera. Dre
1: Jones had six and a half last year with
0: Denver. All right, I can't go with Dre Jones. I'm going to say, how many did Boy Mafe have last year? Do you know off the top of your head?
1: Uh, I've got it up here. Let's see. He.
0: Three, I think. That's it. I'm going with Daryl Taylor. In his, uh, in his walk year, in his contract year, looking to go make a splash and being used specifically in that role of trying to get after the passer and hopefully freed up of a lot of his other responsibilities because of Hall, because of Mafe, etc. that Daryl Taylor leads this team in sacks. And he gets the double digits. Ooh. But I think all those guys, like, I think this team might rush the passer pretty well. This is the best pass rushing team I think they've had in years since Frank Clark and Jaron Reed were together. I would say this is the best pass rushing team, at least on paper, that they've had since then.
1: I'm sticking with Chenna, man. He was on fire to start the year last year, and then the defense started struggling a little. I feel like it impacted him. If if they can help free him up a little more this year, I really like him. You're wrong. Okay, Justin. I'll (laughs) say
2: Draymond Jones. I'll go with Dre. Let's go. You think
0: Dre Jones ends up beating all the outside linebackers? He Doing looks it. like one of them, man. There we go, Dre. I like it. Justin gutsy, more a little safe. Not gonna lie, with Chana. And, and you are right, and and me mostly <laughs> correct. Yeah. I mean, by that the way, out great for us.
1: Dre Jones six snap sacks last year was in thirteen games, so he could definitely
0: get one. <sighs> don't don't make me question myself. I I felt very good finally <laughs> about my Daryl title. All right, lately. we're
1: not going very rapidly. No, let's go Who rapid fire. Who scores the most touchdowns? Gino. Okay, position point. Oh,
0: okay. Mm. <laughs> Most touchdowns?
1: Yes. Do you know who it was last year?
2: No. <laughs> Do you? Ken oh, Walker? I was going to say Ken Walker as well,
1: yeah. Uh, It was Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett with Lockett. 14. Hmm. DK had 11. Walker had 9.
2: I'm going to say
0: this year it will be Ken Walker. Dang it. I have no... I, here's the thing. I will answer this question because I like the bit and I like I like uh, rapid fire and it's fun to kind of guess. I think touchdowns is the dumbest stat. Like, it, to me, that's a fantasy football stat and is the problem with fantasy football. Who cares who got into the end zone? So if DK Metcalf has a 96-yard play that gets caught at the one and then Ken Walker runs it in, Ken Walker gets a touchdown, DK doesn't. So now, like, I just... I find I'm some sure of those Seahawks things.
1: Happen. There's so many of theirs happened on... Don't happen at the goal line.
0: Yeah, they happen from D. Yeah, I know, but like...
1: Okay. Well, I'll, we I'll still go complaint. with Ken
2: Walker. Uh, that's my complaint. <laughs> going out on the limb again. Let's go Will Disley. Will Disley. Oh, wow. Let's go Uncle middle. Will. Let's go Uncle Will. All right. I like it. Manifest it.
1: Uh, I'm going DK. I guess I'm the safe one.
2: Nobody with uh,
0: Tyler again, huh? Or Jackson Smith and Jade That was the other name I thought of was... What if Smith and Jigba as the third wide receiver ends up just being open so often that he ends up being the guy who takes a ton of those touchdowns?
1: Well, uh, looking at this, I think Marquise Goodwin. uh, Yeah, he had a few. Yep quietly. Yeah, had four last year.
0: Well, that's why, honestly, jokes he aside, that, lot. that's why I would go with Ken Walker, is that I think that those wide receivers He's are going so to guarded. split it a little bit. Yeah. And even the tight ends. I mean, I think they've got some tight ends who should find themselves scoring some touchdowns as well. I think that they'll get spread out and that uh, and that Ken Walker will
2: end up getting the most. All right, I really thought he led a lot last year. Alright, rapid fire.
1: Could the Seahawks be the best offense in the NFC? No. No?
2: Nope.
0: nope. They could be good, but best in the NFC. I still think they're behind a few different offenses, starting with Philly and still probably San Francisco. And I know everyone, obviously, there's a major quarterback concern in San Francisco. I just get the sense that everything else around the quarterback is so good that they will find a way to deal with it. I, I mean, if it's Trey Lance, then the Seahawks should probably be ahead of that. I don't think highly of Trey Lance, but. You know, with Brock Purdy, I don't think
1: highly of Sam Darnold either.
0: No, I don't. But I think that he could be okay in that offense. I mean, handing the ball off and just sort of or making the Shanahan throws you have to to get the ball into the hands of 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 your wide receivers. The thing is, Christian McCaffrey. It
1: also hinges on McCaffrey staying healthy. He did it last year, but that's not common for him.
0: <laughs> I'm still going to say that those two offenses are ahead of the Seahawks. They're they're good, but I don't think they're better than either of those two offenses yet. Now, have this conversation a year from now once Philadelphia has to decide who they're paying and once San Francisco loses one of these wide receivers and some of the effects of not having draft picks catches up with them, we'll have a different conversation before next year because I think the Seahawks are very much on the rise. But right now, I don't see them having a better offense in either of those two teams.
2: Mm. Also, I hear a lot about the Lions right now I'm kind of worried I think sneaky. Sneaky. sneaky could be Jared in, Goff in good offense. Really? I'm, Right, I don't think it's anything close to Jared that, Goff. what Philadelphia is They
1: were good with Goff last year He's got a lot of receivers
0: Detroit ah, feels to me I, Well, I, No, look <laughs> Look, again, I, this is why I don't like making predictions Because I'm always wrong about everything But Detroit has that feel to me Of a team that's starting to get a little bit of hype That is going to take a step back Before they take another step forward Okay. That there's a lot of hype and maybe they're well coached and they've got some so good things going on up front, coach. but I don't believe in their quarterback and I think that holds them back. I think they take a step back with a little bit more expectation and pressure this year and then maybe next year they're a better team than this year. Okay.
1: I think some things are going to need to happen. Like the 49ers do have some struggles with their quarterbacks, but I think the Seahawks do have at least a chance to be the best offense in the NFC this year.
2: I like it. 5-9 is the slowest rapid fire ever. I know we're not going very <laughs> rapid. Fire.
1: Uh well, you know, normally I would ask you and Brock, we're just all three participating. So it's going on. Yeah. Um, last year, Quandre Diggs became the only player in the NFL to have three or more interceptions in each of his last six seasons. Does he make it seven? Yes,
0: definitively. Yes. I
1: mean, he make a good bet, right? Six seasons.
0: It's amazing. So he does it every year. And I think he should have a lot of opportunities with great coverage on the outside with, I think a better pass rush than they had last year. And with Jamal Adams, hopefully back kind of doing his thing and disrupting, by the way, Nobody said Jamal Adams when we were talking about sack leaders. Maybe there's a reason for that in the health and all that. But it was a couple of years ago that he did lead this team in sack. So it's not like out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think Quandre Diggs does become uh, the first player to do it in seven straight seasons. Three interceptions or more.
2: Mm, I'm going to say no. That all they do is run against us. And nobody's going to throw the ball That's against, against us anyway. So good point, no. Justin. That is a good <laughs> point. All
1: right. Well said. Yes. Well, at least one rookie start on the O-line. In
0: the beginning of the season. Yes. I think uh I think Olo Timmy might end up starting. And I think I don't know whether Bradford does. I don't think he starts. I think we may see some Bradford this year, but I don't think he starts the year. i I mean, barring injury, I guess I would assume that we're going to see Phil Haynes, who's been here for a while, and obviously Damian Lewis, who's who's a starter in this t- in this league. But I think timmy has got a real shot. And based on what I saw with him taking a bunch of first-team reps at center, the longer that goes, the more chance I think he has to do it.
1: Yeah, I think that's who they would like to win the job. And so far, he's done what they've wanted him to. So I would agree with that. Does
2: the question start this season or yeah. s- just start? Okay. This season. Then. Hmm.
0: Because if it yeah. was next season, then they wouldn't be a rookie. <laughs> well, I think I'm going
2: to start a game this year is what I uh, thought you were going to oh, say. Yeah. Start a game or start a yeah. season.
1: Be the starter from the beginning.
2: Mm. No. No. Don't know. Wow. Have to. Justin's way out there. <laughs> yeah, it's going to of limb all the time. You know me. Big time.
1: Uh, all right. Only one player other than Geno Smith threw a pass last year. It was the ill-fated touchdown attempt at the goal line by DJ Dallas oh, yeah, that was, was intercepted bad. in the 49ers game. Ugh. Barring an injury, will anyone other than Geno throw a pass this year? Barring,
0: Barring an injury? injury?
1: Yeah. So, like, if Block right. came in because – Let's not count that because this wasn't that situation. This was a trick
0: play. No, they will not run any trick plays with other people throwing the ball. But (laughs) I bet Drew Locke plays this year. I just think it's hard to remain 100% healthy multiple years in a row. We just don't see it that much in the NFL. We've been spoiled because Russ did it for all those years and then Gino did it last year, but it's really hard to do. So the odds are usually pretty high that somebody gets hurt and somebody needs to come in and throw a few passes. So I, I, I think we'll see some Drew Locke this year, and I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like. Not that I'm wishing any ill on Gino. Of course, I'm not, <laughs> but I will say when Drew does end up coming in, if that happens, I'm gonna perk. I'm gonna perk up, right? Like all of a sudden, you sit up in the couch. Okay, hold on. I want to see what's going on here. I do want to see what he's got. I do want to see if he can come in and have some rhythm, which he has failed to have mostly in practice. I do want to see if he can curb some of the Yolo stuff. But if he can use that big arm and athleticism to actually move this team, they kept him for a reason. They like him, despite what the rest of the world thinks. They like Drew Locke. And I am curious to see whether or not two years in this system and under this tutelage and working with this coaching staff
2: is enough to kind of break him of some of the problems he had early in his career. So the question is, any barring injury, any, anybody other than Gino? And you said no. Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, they do like any other trick plays where sure. someone else does. Hmm.
2: Or will Gino get benched in favor year, of Drew Lawler? Right, I was going to say, after Pete learned his lesson on the one, I like, I just love the idea of another John Ryan-style kicker fake kick. Those are the, fun, but so Michael Dixon's not, not going to do, do that. that. That's not a thing with Michael <laughs> no, Dixon, sorry. i no. Yeah. That's <laughs> too hard. Michael Pete Dixon
1: learned his does, lesson. like... That's like trying to make some plays sometimes. Yeah, but more with his about. feet. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's more of a running yeah. punter than he is a throwing punter, I would say. Yep. Yeah. Right, no. That's all I got
1: for you guys. All right.
0: Good, uh, good rapid fire. There you go. Uh, let's see. Text messages here. Classic Salk misunderstanding the question. I think I got the question. I just didn't think that was going to happen. I thought that he might get hurt at some point. Uh let's see. I agree. Oh, some Jake Bobo conversation in here. But Jake Bobo is awesome, man. I I am I am rooting for that guy. I'd be I can see a path to him absolutely making this team, right? He's such an interesting contrast to um to D Eskridge. Like just looking at those two wide receivers and thinking about the contrast between them. Eskridge, short, undersized, incredibly fast. Jake Bobo tall, lanky, pretty slow, right? On one hand, you got Eskridge, who has not been very productive in his NFL career, despite having all of this talent. On the other side, you've got Jake Bobo, who's not all that talented, but has been really productive throughout his college career. And every time you watch him in practice, he is there just sort of making plays, making catches, et cetera. Things just sort of seem to go his way. And I don't know whether there's a roster spot that comes down to those two guys battling for it. I mean, I think we know DK is going to be, you know, you know who the first three wide receivers are. I got to imagine Derek Young is on the team this year, just based on what he does in special teams and everything else. So that's four. Are you going to keep five or six? If it's six, then right now it is probably D Eskridge and Jake Bobo. If it's five, then those two guys are probably battling for the last wide receiving spot right now. That's my guess, right? I mean, I, you know, maybe they bring in somebody else. Maybe there's some other folks who end up getting themselves into it. But based on what Pete said about Bobo and camp and based on what we you know saw and heard from the players about D. Eskridge, that'd be an interesting battle. And it's two just entirely different types of players.
1: Well, it's interesting. We we called an audible, and we have uh, Michael Bumpus helping us out for Blue 88. Perfect person because, for it today. Um, Brock couldn't do it. And uh, he, yeah, he told me when I went on with him to talk OTAs last week with him and Stacy that he's got uh, what he calls a bromance with oh. Jake Bumpus. Oh, I
0: could absolutely see why, despite the he Belmont likes. Hill thing. Well, I'll tell you what, then. Let's do a little Blue 88 with Bump.
3: This is Brock and Sox Blue 88! Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
2: Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul.
0: Alright, time for a little blue 88. Michael Bumpus of Bump and Stacey filling in today for
3: Brock, who will be back tomorrow. Bump, good morning. How you doing, man? Good morning, I'm doing well We had a good weekend, got to watch some crazy golf this weekend Uh, Mariners got us one game, NBA Finals tonight, it's all good, how you guys doing? We're doing
0: great, yeah, we could basically spend the next 10 minutes talking about the uh, playoff and the golf yesterday But we won't, because this is Blue 88, I gotta ask you football questions, let's start here Which is better this year, the Seahawks wide receiving core or their secondary?
3: See, there's a couple ways you got to look at this now if you look at these guys on paper we're looking at resumes we're looking at jamal adams his Bowl selections quandre and his Bowl selections Tariq and his and then you have the fifth round pick then mike jackson and trey brown are backing them up you say okay that group has to be the more talented group but then you go over to the receiver side you have a receiver that has four consecutive seasons over a thousand yards you have dk one of the most intimidating receivers in the league and then you got in who i think will be one of the best route runners in the league and really help open up this offense. The only reason why I'm going to say the secondary right now is just because we know what we're going to get out of four out of five of those spots, And he throwing Julian Love, right? The experience is so deep over there. There's a lot of film out there. We're still waiting to see what Enjiglitz can do, and a lot of times, man, you've seen DBs have great rookie seasons, and now, as of late, we've seen uh, uh, receivers have good rookie seasons, but because you need the quarterback to throw, the lineman to block, and all, all to go right, I'm gonna to lean towards the secondary, man. They are deep over there. There's Pro Bowls for days, and if Jamal Adams is healthy, I think this defense is gonna be something special. So, as much as I love my White House, man, my pretty boys on the wow. outside, I gotta go with the secondary. Wow,
0: they're gonna throw you out of the club for this, is my guess. You're not supposed to say that about uh, about cornerbacks, etc. Question number get, two. I gotta get reinstated. <laughs> Question number two. Uh, who bum? Who was the most impressive rookie you saw so far this year?
3: And so this is what are we talking about? Mini camp with the with the Seahawks?
0: Yeah, just yeah, throughout their camp okay. so far this year.
3: All right. So this is uh, this is a tough one too because everybody looks good running around in shorts, and then it's hard to really evaluate a guy like Derek Hall, who I'm really just going off at of his get off in his hands and his explosiveness. The only real positions where you can see guys make true football plays and kind of have those, okay, 50-50 moments, I got to make a play, is on the perimeter. So I got to look at Devin Whipspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba. We saw Whipspoon a bit, but he was held back, uh, and Jigba was held back a bit, but he started to open up. I look at Jigba, and because I'm a receiver, because I can evaluate that position better than most, especially without pads on, I look at him, I look at his route running, right? Every receiver who was out there during minicamp can run routes or they wouldn't be there. But it's different the way he drops his hips and shifts his weight. It's different the way he fires off the football. It's different the way he goes up and grabs the ball off the air. So I look at Jackson Smith and Jigman and I go, okay, that's the position without passes. You can really see what somebody can do. So I, I look at the youngster and I say, he's been the most impressive. But I also look at Derek Hall and I say, I cannot wait mm-hmm. to see what he looks like with those pads off. you see his knees? Man, every, everything about this dude, he looks like Honestly, he looks like a creative player, and then you hear, then you hear the his story about him being premature. Ugh. I have a child who's premature, who's premature as well, and the struggles that they go through. He's impressive, man.
0: He is. Oh, let's come back to him in a minute. I got to ask you question three first. One of the guys he's going to be battling with for playing time is Boy Mafe, who's another just physical freaky athlete. Anyway. Uh, He spoke with you guys on Friday. He's a really interesting kid. Moore and I uh, were trying to figure out exactly what he was saying here and and thought maybe you would have a sense just having been there and and talking to him about it. What do you think he was getting at when he talked about the communication on the defensive line last year?
3: I mean, as a group, I feel like we're actually got a lot closer. Yeah. It's, It's becoming like a real room right now. And it's been really good. I mean, even the D-line, you know, we're starting to communicate. The communication level is like, you know, we're talking to each other about everything. You know, if something happens in practice, we, we handle it right then and there. So, I mean, it's been real. It's been really good. You know, JV coming back has been really nice. You know, learning and playing with him, it's a different game. And I, I, I've i been really enjoying it. What'd you take out of that? So, one, you got to understand who Boye Masa is, man. He is one of the more... Intellectual football players you'll meet. You know what I'm saying? Not the same football players that walk around who are dumb jocks, but (laughs) there are some guys who are just some dudes and play football. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like Boya Mafe is the type of guy that uh, puts a lot of thought into everything that he does. And when I hear that, I hear a guy saying that we have guys who understand the position. We have guys who understand what Clint Hurt wants from him in this defense. And when I hear him talking about the O-line, and the linebackers and edge rushers uh, communicating, that's lovely. When you go get the defense and you hear a bunch of communication before the snap, that means they're diagnosing and they're getting on the same page. So last year, they were not on the same page. You can hear that with his answer, and you know that just by watching them play football that guys were everywhere, right? So I hear playing, and I think, okay, this is a room that understands what they're doing and how their job affects someone else. So when there's a change, when there's a shift on that offense, when there's something that needs to be uh, adjusted a bit, they're communicating to make sure everybody is on the same page. What that allows them to do is to play free and play fast. And that's what you want out of this defense. It's not the Legion of Boom anymore. We're not going to see these big hits, but we are going to see, I think, is a fast defense getting after the quarterback and getting the football out the air when they throw it.
0: That is today's Blue ADA. Michael Bumpus from Bumpin' Stacy filling in uh, for Brock and much appreciated for doing so. Um, you mentioned Derek Hall. Were you here when Aaron Curry was here? Say it again? Were you here with Aaron Curry? Yeah, I was. That That's, who, that's the only person I could think of who has sort of a similar body type to Derek Hall. Just that, just massive, but with the athleticism. I'm not saying he's going to be the same type of player, but do you see any of that similarity just in terms of how they're built?
3: Yeah, it's, um... It, when I look at Derek Hall, and I like the comparison to Aaron Curry because I used to think I look at um always look at um <laughs> gluteus maximus yes and and the thighs you know what I'm saying and my wife always says why are you looking I always see like a young football player walk by I'm like babe look at those glutes <laughs> man because you're really looking at his butt like that I go that's where all the explosiveness comes from you know what I'm saying so that's what I see with him. And I always look too to see um, uh, if he's bow leg or not. You know what I'm saying? Because bow leg athletes, for some reason, just move differently. Um, he doesn't have much of that, but he has the attributes and he has the um, the hands too, which I think are underrated. I've seen him do a lot of hand work, and I think, especially when you're rushing off the edge in the NFL, if you can be explosive and then use your hands the way, say, an Aaron Donald does, which is a huge ask, of course, um, you're gonna have success, man. So, no, I can see the comparison to Aaron Curry, but something tells me his career is going to be a little more better.
0: Well, yeah, I certainly hope so, and and he just seems like a really nice kid. We talked to him last week, and you're right. The story is incredible. The The athleticism is pretty awesome, and it, it does seem to be a trend, right? I mean, the guys that they've brought in over the last few years, they just seem to be good dudes. Like more, Not that there were bad dudes before that, but it does seem to be a point of emphasis with them right now.
3: Yeah, really good dudes. I haven't met one this year, uh, Soft, that I didn't walk away from being impressed by something that they did or how they carried themselves. And I want to point out, too, that, um, you know, the past, I haven't been in the NFL in, what, 15 years, 13 to 15 years now, right? And the evolution of the football player when it comes to their intellect yeah. and their, their physicality is crazy right now. Um, and I think the Seahawks have done a good job of tapping into both, get the guy with the intellect that they want and just with the athleticism that they need. And uh, you put that all together, man. We should have a top 15 defense, man. If that does not happen, I'll be extremely disappointed.
0: When you say intellect, do you mean football intellect or sort of intellectual curiosity outside of the game of football?
3: Outside of the game. That's
0: that's what I thought you were going to say.
3: Yeah, I think that if you are in depth off the football field, it will do nothing but help you on the field. And it will open up doors for you and the organization. Because now companies and and uh, organizations want to be a part of what you have going on and helping free agency too. So all around, man, I think they're doing a great job recruiting. These I'll big. tell you what,
0: I, I think that's true not just with the Seahawks and not just in football, but I think I'm finding that to be more and more true in sports in general. I'm finding baseball players are a lot more thoughtful, a lot more intellectual football players, for sure. Basketball players, at least in terms of what we see on TV. It sure seems to be the norm right now in in sports as opposed to, you're right, I think years ago we would talk more about the sort of dumb jock thing.
3: Yeah, you know, and I think it's just because of the world they're growing up in. Like, Information is, is at their fingertips for us. We had to open up an encyclopedia to look for stuff. <laughs> now, they just pick up their phones and they have all this information. You, and they're starting to realize that everything they do is being watched and judged. So they're more aware of what's going on around You me. a
0: World Book guy or a Britannica guy? I
3: was Britannica all day, uh, baby. We, we were World Book family. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> all right.
0: Bump, good stuff as always. Uh, of course, 10 o'clock today. Bump and Stacy. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you later. All right, take care. There you go. Michael Bumpus of Bump and Stacy do a great job right after us every day. All right. The great Shannon Dreyer is going to be in here for some extended time. We're going to talk a lot of baseball, try to figure out what is ailing this Mariner team and what the heck they can do to fix it. It's next. Brock and Sox, Sales Sports on 710.